FMX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, flyracing.com. Check them out at motorsport.com, at your local dealer. Uh, Formula Helmet is simply amazing. They got new colors, new styles. They have uh, four different models of Formula Helmets, all super safe, and uh, different shells and different weights a little bit uh, affect the prices. But uh, it's got EPS on it. It's got the conehead design. It's got Rion. Uh, in there as well. Please read up on uh, all the benefits and the technologies of the Formula Helmets on flyracing.com. I promise you, you spend the money on a Formula Helmet and you'll be impressed, man. They are great. Quiet, lightweight, and super safe. What else do you want in a helmet, man? And they look good. They look really good. Unlike some other helmets out there that, in my opinion, look pretty hideous. Uh, Kinetic Mesh stuff is great. Lightweight. Fits great. Uh, vents really well. Uh, Kinetic Mesh is my favorite line of gear that Fly Racing makes, and they've come out with it and some cool colors. FlyRacing.com for more information on that. I also want to thank the folks at Maxxis Tires. MXSTs designed by Jeremy McGrath, used by Cade and A-Ray in Supercross main events, so you know they're good. If you haven't thought about Maxxis for a motorcycle tire lately, well, start thinking about Maxxis because they make uh, UTV tires, motorcycle tires, mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires, Maxxis.com. They support the sport in a number of ways, so uh, please support them if you can, Maxxis.com. And over there in the U.K., Renthal, chains, sprockets, bars, grips, mountain bike stems, mountain bike bars, Renthal.com, a really cool, informative website, Twin Wall Bar, changed the game back in like 97, I think, and uh, 7 eighths Bar, Fat Bar, Fat Bar 36, they've got a handlebar that works for you, and uh, uh, really cool ingenuity behind the products as well, Renthal.com, please check them out. Most trusted brand in the paddock today and more titles than all the other com- brands combined. Renthal.com, Cobolinks, and Motorsport.com we will talk about later on. But uh, let's catch up with Tommy Watts, who had a really, really nice pro career. Hung it up early, and I've always wondered why, and I got my answer in this podcast. Uh, Tommy Watts, Team Green, superstar. Uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting the sponsors. And, uh, yeah, man, it's it's been a cool ride uh, for myself and the Pulp MX world and universe. So really appreciate the support from you people. And uh, here's Tommy Watts. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by the folks at Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, and Motorsport.com, a uh, gentleman on the line who had a nice pro career, probably ended it a bit early, but certainly has some great results over the years uh, at the, in the <clears throat> Nationals. 
from Shelbyville, Kentucky. Tommy Watts, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Steve. I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Um, uh, b- uh, been a long time coming and uh, watched you and Berluti and put on good shows. And oh, uh, Thanks, yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, you doing this. Uh, definitely somebody that I- I've seen a ton in my life growing up at, uh, in the results column, and I'm glad to finally uh, t- touch base with you and uh, and talk to you about a few things. So I guess uh, let's start with this. Uh, what are you doing now? What's happening in Tommy Watts' world? Well, currently I'm uh, helping up in Redbud with uh, whatever needs to be done. Uh, my girlfriend, Amy Ritchie, she's uh, she's in charge of it. So yeah. I'd, I do as I'm told up there, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm a PGA uh, pro, so I do some teaching down here in Kentucky uh, on the golf side. So that, between the two of those, it keeps me kind of busy. I heard that, yeah. So hey, make sure Tim doesn't dr- drop a bunch of sand in again for the designations. All right, Tommy, <laughs> you know, just uh, yeah, stop him he, from doing that. <laughs> he swears up and down. I know. Down, but... <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I give him shit every time, but, um, no, that's awesome. Uh, how far are you to, I, and again, forgive me, Kentucky to Redbud. How, how far is that? I can make it in about four hours and 15, 20 minutes. Oh, that's, that's it. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll ride my scooter up, but it, uh, it's a nice ride. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, let's start with the PGA stuff. Cause yeah, Berlut told me about that a little bit. Always been a good golfer. Um, Maybe like uh, what? Just something you've been doing your whole life? Did you start it after moto? Um, and how good did you did are you did you get to be? Well, after moto, you know, I was looking for something to compete at, and uh, and I never ran into a game that uh, required so much of my attention, that, uh, <laughs> and the, the amount of practice it took to be good at. So uh, it just kind of sucked me in as an addiction, I guess. Uh, and uh, you know, one day I decided see if you can get good at this game, and. Uh, that's it. Just kind of let uh, being a BJ professional. Uh, and how, what's your handicap? Like how 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 good did you get, or how good are you? Uh, we we always play at zeros, but honestly, I probably played about a two. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it's such a frustrating game, you know. It, it is. I wish I had been playing before I started or while I was racing because uh, I would have definitely learned uh, the patience and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I noticed the, uh, the Lawrence brothers, they, uh, they play a lot of golf for relaxation and, mm-hmm. and a lot of parallels, uh, of golf to racing. Right. So I, I talked to Berluti a little bit, uh, and we'll get into some stories about Tony for sure. Uh, I talked to Berluti a little bit about, about you and he said that you're quite a pool player, quite a pool hustler back in the day and you were really good at it. And that makes me think like your hand and you're good at golf. Good hand-eye coordination and uh, and that. Have you have you have always been uh, that way? Uh, no. It seems like anything that uh, that I try, I have to work really hard at to be good at. So okay. it requires a lot of effort <laughs> on my part. <laughs> uh, Berluti said you were uh, you hustled. You you were you pool. You you were a hustler like Minnesota Fats on, on pool back in the day. True or false, Tommy? No, oh, that's false. I he gives me too much credit. I. Uh, I just knew who to play and who not to play. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, um, he told me a story one time where somebody was trying to hustle you uh, in a pool hall, and you got out of there early. You were just like, yeah, I know this guy's going to take all my money. 
Yeah, we were actually in Vegas uh, at a place called Doc and Eddie's. And, okay. Uh, and uh, we started out playing for twenty bucks a game, and and this guy did a couple of shots that I that I didn't know, so I knew real quick uh, uh, it's time to check up and get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Right. Uh, yeah, golf is certainly. Uh, I play it once in a while. I've only broken a hundred like once or twice. Uh, it is so frustrating. It is. It is just yeah to be good at it is is maybe an underrated amazing skill because it is such a frustrating game it is because it, it's it requires so much uh proprioception of knowing where your body is at in time and space and uh, uh it just and it puts a big challenge on your uh your imagination abilities uh and i, I never really knew i had them but uh, i thought back at racing and i would look at a jump and and you could just see it in your mind whether you could make it or not. So I uh, think that really helps on the golf side. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So can you uh, can you make good money doing that? Like like lessons? Is there is there plenty of clients? Uh, yeah, it depends on how hard you want to push. Uh, you know, I okay. kind of dedicated this year to to helping Amy and Redbud, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, you know, I, I usually make around sixty bucks an hour. Um, okay. Uh, just doing lessons here and there, and, yep. and I uh, got what they call PGA Hope certified, so I get to work with uh, the veterans of our country, and that uh, is really gratifying to to be able to help those guys enjoy their their golf and their uh, release from life. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Although maybe it gets them more frustrated. I don't know. Like I said, such a <laughs> no, they they have the absolute best attitudes. Oh yeah. They'll, those and guys with it uh, have uh, amputee. Like I've been involved with amputee tournaments. Okay. Yep. And those guys absolutely have the best attitudes of any people I've been around. Oh, cool! Awesome. Uh, you ride dirt bike much anymore? Uh, well, I hadn't, but I did recently buy a 500 EXC. And oh, okay, uh, nice. I want to get. Uh, hopefully, Tim will take me up north in Michigan, do some trail riding. Maybe him and Stanton. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but surprised you bought a 500 because, uh, you were so good on 500s in your career, right? <laughs> so of course you're going to, you're going to lean towards that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, they seem so fast now though. It, uh, I, I don't think, uh, I think I'm just a putzer now. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Right. Um, so Kentucky, uh, not a motocross hotbed. When I think of Kentucky motocross, I think of you, I think of Tyler Bowers, uh, maybe Ben Riddle. Um, how does a guy in Kentucky get started racing moto? Well, back in the the mid seventies, we did we had Trans Ams and uh, and some big racetracks around uh, okay. Ohio, Indiana, um, but it kind of died out because of all the liability issues. But uh, uh, actually, you know, Ryan Sipes is only oh yeah, the, Sipes, right? Yeah, 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 fifty or sixty miles away, and and uh, every year, you know, my I would he would buy one of my Team Green bikes at the end of the year. Uh, his dad would Marvin, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then he kind of, I think he paid attention to what how my dad was teaching me, and kind of passed on a lot of knowledge to to Ryan. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about Sipes. Yeah, Sipes had a great yeah. career. Still going. Oh, he's yeah, he's a smart cat too. Uh, I watched him doing a lesson. I guess he's helping with uh, AJ Kenzaro's uh, MX schools. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, he explained, you know, why you don't want to get knees. In front of the uh, pegs, uh, 
he did a good demonstration with his crutch. Hmm. So that's that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Uh, does your dad get you into moto way back in the day? He did. He was a drag racer, and uh, uh, we just had some buddies that had some moto bikes, and he said, do you want to do that? And I said, sure. You know, I, was, I think I was five. Okay. And he actually, my first race was on a, a CR125 at eight. Oh, geez. Eight years old on a 125. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Kentucky. I guess anything goes. Jeez. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You got that right. Yeah, that that's impressive. <laughs> um, You go to Loretta's, like early 80s. Uh, you race Loretta's and like, and you have some good results. You start winning. Uh, you're beating guys like Stanton. Um, is that when you're kind of like, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I want to make a career of this. Is your dad the one pushing you into it? Like, you know, obviously we know most of us listening to this, know you, that you had great 500 results, but you know, you were a, a good small bike guy too, judging by Loretta's results. Um, so it was, it was like a, a course of, kind of like coming up like a normal person like through 125s and everything else so were you thinking like hey i can i want to be pro i can make a, a career of this or was your dad pushing it or, or what was uh what was the impetus behind that well if if i had known about setting goals uh i would have done a lot better i think because <laughs> i never dreamed that i would do anything but race motorcycles for a living uh you know kind of like jason anderson said what else am i going to do <laughs> so, <laughs> But in uh, in '82, when I broke my femur, uh, I think I was primed to to you know pick up a factory ride, and uh, that just it was a big setback for me. Where'd you break your femur? How'd you do that? Well, they had put in some uh, some new whoops. So the last last but practice, I uh, I had to know if I could jump them or not. You know, trying to find a place to pass mm -hmm. and. Uh, and it wasn't even a bad crash. I just looked up, my legs laying over to the side, and I said, "Oh no!" <laughs> Jeez. So, how old were you then? Like in '82? How how old, how old is that? '82 was uh, I was 18. 18. Oh, okay. So yeah, so you were, but I mean '83, you went, you get second at Loretta's in 125A. Um, you know, behind uh, some pretty behind um, Danny Storbeck, who was you know a top Yamaha guy. You're riding Kawasaki. Are you getting Team Green help at this point? Right. Uh, always, well, ever since I signed with them, I would go out and do their uh, testing. You know, they bring in their pre-production mm -hmm. bikes for the next year and do the testing, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, I always thought the 125 was my best best class simply because I could ride it for everything it was worth, I felt like. Uh, but I just, I was probably a little too heavy because as light as I could get was like 165, and that was, yeah. that made me, yeah. Uh you get second in 125A in 83. Some guy named Dave Davey Coombs gets ninth. So you always have that oh. over him, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a good story uh, for Loretta's. They, uh, one moto I got uh, uh, second, and I got lapped by Donnie Schmidt in the mud. Really? Lapped? Yeah. I got lapped, and I was I got second, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, I was looking at these results, and I – okay, so – yeah, 1986, Donnie goes 37-1-1, and uh, Kyle Lewis goes 2-2-2. You go 3-3-3. Is that the race? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, uh, and the team manager at the time was uh, Mark Johnson. Yep. And uh, and in the last lap, I had a chance to, to clean Kyle Lewis out, and uh, and I put a strong move on him. He just held tough. And, mm -hmm. and uh 
uh, Mark Johnson was was <laughs> kind of miffed at me for not taking him, you know, just cleaning him out. <laughs> really? Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, gee whiz. I don't know if I want to if I want to do that. You you look at your results: uh, first, third, third, first, second. You're surrounded by you know really really guys who go on to to do really well as pro racers. And so you're beating these guys in your top three at Loretta's. Like, so this is you're getting Team Green bikes, parts, a small salary. Is that how it's working for you at this point? No, I never did get a salary, just bikes and parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I got to do the the testing. Uh, they fly me out to do the testing, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, got to ride a lot of uh, rough tracks, you know, like Carlsbad and. Uh, Somewhere in San Luis Obispo, man, that thing was rough. Um, are you at this point? Are you are you a good five hundred guy too? Are you noticing that you enjoy the five hundreds? That you feel better on them? Uh, I I just so for some reason I could go fast on them, but uh, I didn't feel that comfortable. Um, okay. Yeah, it, everybody said I was a five hundred specialist, but uh, the one twenty five is what I enjoyed. Right now. The 500 gave me the opportunity to jump stuff that I that I couldn't. <laughs> uh, it's funny, like you. Um, so you're you're doing what? As an amateur, you're doing Loretta's, you're doing Ponca, you're doing some pre-production work for Cowie. What else are you racing around this time? Like, how are you and your are you and your dad traveling around together? Is is he working and, and you have a mechanic, or what's the situation like for you around this time? When you know, it looks to me like you're one of the country's top amateur riders. Well, in uh, in '86, uh, you know, EP brought me. Uh, I met I met those guys, you know, Greg Prim, Tony, and uh, Bill Buttram at uh, at Ponca. Okay. And they decided to bring me out to Vegas at the end of '86, and um, and really unsure of what uh, Cowie wanted out of me, they, they just asked me to do the uh, Mickey Thompson series, which I guess is where. Jason Wagon kind of remember remembered me from. Um, that was a tough series uh, because, because we ran the track backwards and uh, jumps yeah, were just not, yeah, the jumps are straight up and down. Yep, yep. Oh yeah, it was, and uh, had a really good race at the Rose Bowl with Matasevich and uh, just uh, a lot of fun. You know, I got to do a lot of things as a, a country boy from Shelbyville. Just doesn't even dream of. Yeah, I bet. Right at this point, you're less, you're just like, wow, this is cool. How do you meet Prim? Greg Prim, obviously, uh, a family is a legacy out here in Nevada, and uh, a, a guy who's pretty well off. Uh, like I said, through his family and everything else, he starts a gear company. He loves moto. Obviously, he had that museum for a long time here in Vegas. He sold all of it, but uh, I've I know him a little bit, and Berluti knows him very well. Um, he starts EP Designs, which is a gear company. How do you meet them? Are they like in a vending? Are they vending and and they pick you to to be the guy, or how does that come together? Yeah, in '86 they were at Ponca City, and I think uh, a friend of mine, Ken Wilson, uh, may have introduced us, and uh, and then uh, they called me to come out and uh, and do you know do some races in Vegas and uh, okay. And then shortly afterwards, uh, you know, the EP kind of broke up. Uh, but but Prim, uh, Greg Prim still put his, you know, Tony and I in a truck and mm-hmm. in 87 to go out and do the Nationals. And, you know, we had a lot of success at the, the Trans-Cal and the Golden State and, uh, and on tracks that I'd never seen. And, and uh, they just suited me, you know, the hard, hard pack slick stuff. 
a lot of elevation changes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just led one thing led to another. Are you uh, so as an amateur? I see Stanton in a lot of your results, and obviously you would go on to battle him a little bit as a pro. Did you know Jeff as an amateur? Were you guys buddies? Because I mean, like you said, not that far away, Michigan and all that. Like, were you uh, hanging out with him at all? Well, I mean, we we were cordial. We weren't really buddies. Because, okay. I mean, it was it was friendly. Uh, we I don't think we ever had any issues. Uh, I know when he got uh, you know got his help from Yamaha, he kind of pulled the pulled an edge on me there. But, you know, I think he was training harder and. Mm-hmm. Uh, had maybe a little better equipment because I, I was team green level and he had, uh, you know, Yamaha factory support. So, yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe that probably back then you, you know, he'd go on to be one of the, one of the legends of the sport, right? Like he's a bigger guy, bulldog the bike. He didn't have a lot of super cost skills and all of that. But at the end of the day, Jeff just, you know, man made himself into, into a great rider. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody would ever outwork him. He, uh, and, he, and he's still that way today, you know, the times I get to see him. But yep. uh, I, I, I'm proud of the champion that he went on to become, uh, even though, you know, he passed me by. It's still, uh, I'm not, not jealous of it. I'm just uh, uh, I, I'm just really respectful of what he did for yeah. the sport. Uh, yeah, 85, you beat him at the ranch uh, at Open A. Uh, first place for you, second place, Jeff Stanton. You know, like, that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, that and six bucks will get you a, a cup of coffee. Like, but but you know what I mean. It, it is cool for yourself to probably look back at that and be like, "Look at that." You know, I don't know. Maybe not, but that's what I think. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's you know after thirty some years, it's still nice. That, you know, there's there are people out there that still remember me, and uh, it's quite humbling actually. That uh, like I said, you know, as a country boy from Kentucky, yeah. I, was, I was able to go to. South Africa and Italy and and Tahiti and race and you know just travel all over the country. Yeah, just just a lucky kid. Man. What do you remember about a young Tony Berluti? Because you were his first rider that he really got to work with, and of course he went on to you know a twenty year career at Factory Suzuki with with a bunch of great guys and and maybe even longer than twenty years. But what do you remember about Berlut that eighty seven season? It was. Uh, I, di- I didn't think I had a. Be- there was a better mechanic out there than than Tony. Uh, I had a hundred percent trust in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think we had one DNF was the first Anaheim race. Uh, I think my pivot bolt came out of the swing arm, but I mean. Oh, perfect! I- I'm going to use this for next time I see Berlut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because I was a mechanic for a long time, you know, and uh, he was—he uh, had a greater career than I did as a mechanic. But I've my pivot bolts never come out, Tommy. So this is great. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. Oh, but, you know, Tony's the salt of the earth, man. If he tells you something, that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, uh, traveling cross country in a box van, we kind of got on each other's nerves here and there. But, right, right, right. But I don't know, he gave me the—he gave me a nickname, Stinkbug. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um yeah it's hey how was your dad growing up was he hard on you was he a typical uh mini dad i mean i you know i speak to a lot of amateur uh, i talk to to a lot of pro riders now who around your era it's a different time growing up the different world back in the 80s with the amateur scene and everything how was your dad was he was he uh, pretty good or was it uh gnarly at times 
No, he he was extremely tough on me at was times. He? Yeah, and, yeah. And I've had a lot of people ask me, "Do you resent that?" And I, Absolutely not. Uh, you know, he knew I was a knucklehead and I was soft and I needed to be <laughs> <laughs> pushed. So. Yeah. And but I remember when I was about sixteen, he said, uh, "I've taught you all I know. Now it's up to you." So at that point, you know, I I had to take ownership and uh, take care of the training and learning about nutrition and. Mm-hmm. and uh, getting the job done, you know. Right, right. Um wow, so you yeah, so your dad was pretty hard on you then. Like yeah. Oh, oh yeah, a lot of a lot of people said that they didn't like it, but I said uh, no, it uh he he knew me and he knew how to push my buttons, you know. The only thing he had to tell me was you can't do something. So of course then I would have to prove him wrong. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh crazy. Um so 86 you 125 supercross a third and a fourth um but you know you can't help but look at your career and i went back and looked at uh, some old cycle news and stuff and you did race a lot of supercrosses you've made one main event outside of those 125 races and it's easy to see that motocross was your forte over supercross um why was that why why could you never quite get the results indoors that you did out well i, I didn't have the opportunity um to, to practice supercross uh mm-hmm. you know we we raced a lot of like arena crosses here and there yep but they're, they're nothing like supercross they're they're so scaled down but uh, uh I, I never got to understand the differences in bike setups uh like, like i only got to ride cowie's uh, supercross track one time and, you know even though i was out there yeah you know testing for six years um it's it just wasn't available to team green guys you know so was it frustrating for you at times? Because, I mean, you know, you have a ton of top tens in nationals it, and, and, you know, Supercross isn't there. So was it frustrating for you or, like, were you like, okay, this is, this is kind of you know, not my forte or how was that? Absolutely. It was, it was frustrating. Uh, and, I, and I didn't understand then the importance of uh, what's, what kind of weight Supercross carried with the factories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. You're just like, uh, you know, hey, I'm crushing it, and they're like, yeah, but indoors, how you doing? And then it's, it's, yeah, there's no help for you, I guess, right? Right, and then you know when I got uh, in '87, when I got fifth in the 500 series, uh, you know, I was expecting some kind of an offer, and uh, I got crickets. I got nothing, no offers. Really, really, right? No tough racing or nothing like that. Like nothing, nobody. No, I did call tough, and uh, they decided to go with Bowen uh it's time um so uh, uh suzuki and pat pal alexander and they were doing away with the 500 class so, yeah or 500 bikes so that was not option for me Jeez, uh 87 500 is like you said that's where as a kid myself growing up in canada that's really where i learned of tommy watts it was fisher stanton and you kind of bursting onto the scene um did you have much to do with mike fisher obviously he was testing back then um for cowie and he would go on to be the head of the r&d forever uh and then a team manager at one point uh were you buddies with fisher at cowie was it was it a rivalry at all uh, th- that year no we were all buddies yep. uh, you know but of course when uh, we went on the track uh, you know everybody was fair gamed and if you're prepared and and beat me i'll just have to go you know go back to the chalkboard and yeah do some work um were you a little mad uh, again you had a great 87 500 series it, it, like you said um it was it was terrific 
but Stanton was better. Stanton, I think, got second behind RJ. Um, and this is a point where you beat him at Loretta's just a couple years earlier, and that's the point where you're talking about, hey, he just he started taking it to another level. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 I think that goes back to what he preaches. You know, he surrounded himself with the right people, mm-hmm. and, and not that I was around bad people. Uh, well, you were around Berluti. He was probably dragging you down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually, I, if I'd had the opportunity to, you know, a couple years with with Berluti, I think we could have changed things and made made some noise. Uh, you know, maybe. A, but the, in '88, I was traveling in the. I had a box van at times, but. I went to Steel City in the in an El Camino with my KX five hundred in the back and and went five five and, and in still an El Camino. <laughs> yeah, and That's and, awesome. and some 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 guy that I can't even remember his name. He uh, you know he gassed it and tightened the chain for me. That's all I had. Jeez, crazy. Uh, uh, were yeah, you su- were you surprising yourself in eighty seven? Were you you know you got seven five nine seven eight five in the series? Were you like holy shit! I'm right with these guys. I, I, I'm I'm crushing it. Uh, did you feel like, hey, this is, I'm fine. This is normal. Uh, how was your attitude at that point, uh, racing? You know, being inside the top ten that many times. I uh, I didn't think it was that good because you get in that mindset where you know you need to be up at the front of uh, you know mixing it up with the top guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it I guess. It, I felt more of like an underachiever, really. Really? I felt like wow. Further up, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy because that's so super impressive results there. Um, you I, know, it's yeah. it's stuff you don't realize as a kid, but you look back on it and say, "Well, that was okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Were you starting to get? Were you talking to obviously with the Cowie guys, Fisher, Wardy, Lachine? They they knew you. Were you buddies with any of those guys? No, no, no. Uh, other. I mean, Fisher. Um, you know, because we did the R and D stuff, and yep. And I, I, at one time, I was hoping to get that R and D ride that he got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, he, he was he was a California or Southern California guy, and uh, and, and I, I can't say they made the wrong choice because he went on to do good things. He did, yeah. Uh, was he takes credit for the wide foot pegs? Was it really you, Tommy, or was it Fisher? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was him. Yeah, uh, but and I think it, we were at Victorville in '86 at the end of the 40 hours on the KX500, and I broke it in half the last lap of the 40 minutes. So it it told them that they had a weak spot in the the linkage uh, suspension linkage where it broke. Uh huh. So I kind of I kind of like that part. <laughs> Were you were you good at testing? Were you like were you starting to really find out like hey man the high speed is it's doing this and you know front end is doing like did you find yourself getting pretty good because you were doing it for a while like you said? Yeah, uh, Mike Preston was in charge at the time. Him and Dan Bentley, uh, and who was you know went on to be Stan's mechanic. Yep. But uh, uh, we did a tire test at De Anza for on the Dunlop tires. And, and I went out and I and I told him what it was doing and 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 uh, Preston didn't believe me so he put his gear on and went out and he come back in and he was shaking his head he said you're right it's doing exactly what you see it so. <laughs> nice so you got to be pretty good at feeling the bike under you yeah I did uh, you know even Berluti one time uh, I told him the front end was twisting you know going into turns and stuff uh-huh. so he took it apart and, and sure enough a uh, spring had broke a fork spring oh wow okay yeah neat neat. 
Thanks for listening to the Tommy Watts uh, podcast on the Fly Racing Racer X uh, podcast network. Thanks to Fly Racing, man. Uh, they got a lot of cool stuff coming out. And 2023 stuff, uh, depending on when you listen to this, should be out. Uh, cool colors, cool designs. And uh, love the guys. Head to toe, Fly Racing. They've got you covered. Thank you as well to Coba Links. If you are shorter of stature, if your wife or girlfriend have a dirt bike, they make lowering suspension links from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And uh, Pulp MX Code will save you money and free shipping. Built and designed up there in Boise, Idaho. Cobalinks.com, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. And uh, gain some plushness, improve your confidence, turn the bike a little better with Cobalinks. And again, they make lowering suspension links from everything, from Aprilia to Yamaha. You can also get them at Motorsport, motorsport.com. Go through the banner on pulpamex.com or pulpamexshow.com to help us out. That would be great. They have a whole pulp show section on their website as well, motorsport.com. Free shipping on everything over 79 bucks. They got aftermarket parts like Renthal and like Cobalinks and like Maxxis, or they have uh, OEM parts as well. If you're uh, rebuilding an old bike or your new bike, uh, great service, uh, dedicated team of gearheads there to handle things. Easy return policy as well, motorsport.com. Please check them out. Thanks for uh, those companies for coming on. Of course, thanks to uh, Renthal and Maxxis as well and uh, Fly Racing. Let's get back to uh, Tommy Gun, Tommy Watts. Were you, was this, uh, when you headed out west to do the production stuff, uh, was it one of those deals where like, Hey, you're riding an 80, it's, this is, uh, middle beginning of 86. Here's an, here's the 87 model. We've rented the track. Was it pretty secret, secret, uh, things going on at times? Uh, they would bring one, you know, a 125, 250 and 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the goal was to put 40 hours on each one of them. Uh, and, and they bring different guys in from, a you know, Dennis Hawthorne, uh, Rodney yep. Barr, uh, Carol Richardson and uh, many others, I'm sure I'm forgetting, mm-hmm. but, uh, and we would just go out there for 30 minute motos and just, just hammer them. And the, the one thing that I didn't do is I didn't get hurt while, you know, testing. So that was one of the smart things I did. Yeah. Uh, I'd go out there and I'd just try to hit, hit the same lines, run the same lap times. Yep. And, uh, so, so I could get uh, a good feel for the bikes and what they were doing. Were you done by the time that perimeter frame 90 came out or did you know about it? Did you see it at all? Were you done by then? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. The 90 had all a perimeter frame. It was all brand new. And I know you were done in 88, but I know that that bike was a couple years old, uh, a couple years uh, before 90, 1990, it came out. So, but I guess, yeah, you weren't part of yeah, that. That was the- that came in after me. Then, right, right. So. Um, so 87, fifth overall, nothing. Like you said, no tough ride, no nothing. Uh, do you get more support from Cowie, though? Does, does, is Cowie impressed and doing more for you at all? Not really. I just uh, I actually got cut to fewer bikes. Jeez. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, here's <laughs> fewer bikes. Yeah, but, you know, but I, I understand that they, you know, they they basically hired me on to take care of this uh, this Midwest region, you know, to, to win races, sell bikes for them, mm-hmm. and and I was kind of wanting to go uh, go further, go, you know, get get out there with the pros and mix it up. Yep. And uh, it just didn't didn't pan out. Well, you went from the uh, skinniest Kawasaki ever in '87 to the fattest Kawasaki ever in '88 with the tank and everything. And all that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a hard transition. And, I, and you know, I've had guys, uh, vintage guys, kind of message me about, 
which one I like better than it is definitely the uh, the eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, such a change for them. The eighty seven was like super thin, and the eighty eight eighty eight had good suspension, but man, the 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 seat and the tank area were so much bigger than every bike back then. Weird, yeah. Yeah, they they almost had like a desert tank on them. Right, right, right. So eighty eight, your last year. As a pro, again, you go out in the 500, you get, like you said, you're in El Camino, you get fifth in Steel City, fifth in, uh, in at uh, Binghamton. Um, and then why do you stop? What It seems to me like you could have kept going, you could have kept racing, or did you race locally for money? Or what was the, uh, Tommy, what was the idea behind just hanging it up? No, uh, my last race was Millville and at the end of 88, and, and I endowed coming down that first uh, big downhill. And, uh-huh. uh, and it, the second motor, and I just said, if I can't get any better than this, I'm done. So really, yeah. With, without the help, uh, you know, to to go any further, I needed I needed the, the right support team around me, the right equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just I called it a day. Uh, I w- in hindsight, I wish I'd kind of looked to see if there was anything available for me in Europe. I was going to um, ask you about that because you know, again, great results on the 500. The Europe the Europe series is still going strong, but yeah, you never never did. No, and uh, I think that, you know, after watching footage of, uh, I, I think those tracks would have suited me. The, the huge elevation changes, the, mm-hmm. the slick, the rough. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they would have just suited me to a T. So that was it, Millville 88, done. Done, yeah. Didn't race locally, didn't do any money races, nothing? Nothing, no. Wow. I, uh, I let, you know, and I'm ashamed to say I let them break my spirit. Uh, yeah. That's uh, That was a toughie, you know. Uh, let, letting letting go of what uh, basically I'd done since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What not? What national number were you in '88? Uh, twenty-two. My, yeah. So again, they, you know, twenty-two. Uh, the pretty damn good, and that was it. You were done. Yeah, that was that was that was hard for me to take. You know, it took me a long time to watch even the races on TV. Uh, I, I think in early '90s I went up to uh, Indy and watched the Supercross and ran into Stanton. So he was doing good. Uh, yeah. I think he was managing Honda at the time, or, or, or you know, that would have been like that would have been like '95 because he quit in '94. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that was about right, and and that's about how long it took me to, to really come to terms with. You know, I didn't get to go out on my own terms and yeah, just accept it and go on. Uh, and I, what did you what did you do for money? What did you start working at? What was your job? Oh man, uh, <laughs> went to a local. Uh, uh, they rip up train axles here in town okay. and uh, started doing that. Went to school, got my uh, my uh, bachelor's degree in business and uh, and really haven't, haven't ever done anything with that. And, uh, my dad and I bought a little redneck bar here in Shelbyville that I, I ran for about three years. <laughs> oh, you had a bar. Nice. You were like, you were like Sam Malone. You had a bar. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not glamorous. I, I have to say it, uh, I got to learn how to fight, though. Really? It was it was that kind of bar? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh jeez. Berluti came there. He he called it the Smoke Palace. Uh, yeah, Smoke Palace. Smoke Palace. <laughs> <laughs> so was your dad like uh, you mentioned? He was rough on you, and you mentioned that you know it was uh, he, he had got you to this. Was he pissed you quit, or like was he around much, or was it just like yeah, fine, whatever? Well, at the time, uh, my mother had MS, so he was okay. still working and, and living at home, so. He couldn't travel with me, and, and, and he was probably w- was the the grounding thing I needed out on the road to uh, 
to make sure that I stayed on point, uh, uh-huh. you know, tra- training and doing what was right. Uh, uh, but no, uh, he actually, he didn't want me to go out West. He wanted me to stay, stay amateur and, and keep doing the Loretta stuff. And I, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to see if I could make it. Right. Right. Uh, did, you, did was the bar successful? Like, were you making money or was it, you know, did you have any money saved up from your racing career? Or? It, it wasn't much. No, uh, no, it, uh, luckily my dad, uh, he was a, a smart investor. So what little bit I did save, he, he turned into a little something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, so buying a bar is a bad idea for anybody that's listening. It, uh, <laughs> basically, you buy- <laughs> You go buy yourself a job is what you do. Yeah, really, right? Jeez, yeah, long, long hours too, and all of that, right? Oh, the whole yeah, the whole nine yards, uh, and you just get to listen to everybody that wants to bitch all the time. Right, right. So you didn't. When was the so Millville '88? When's the next time you rode a dirt bike? Wow. Like yeah. how long? You just sold it's, your bikes, I guess. I'm imagining, right, and all that after '88, after Millville. Right, uh, and. You know, sold bikes, sent money to Team Green, and um, uh, it was, I gotta say, it was about third, no, it was 2000, so it was 15 years before I ever rode again. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's and, crazy, and, man. Yeah. And that was with uh, Podium One in uh, Southern Indiana. They were trying to get a track going, and uh-huh. uh, uh, that was uh, Bola Mastis and the, the Crosley Radio Crew. Mm-hmm. He, uh, but he, I think he got out of that, uh, and, uh, went into, uh, ARCA racing, NASCAR, uh, so he went to bigger, bigger arenas. Right. So when you got on a bike, was it a four stroke or a two stroke when you got back on? It was a two stroke Cowie, two, oh. uh, KX250. Oh, uh, so you were kind of back to your roots with the same front fender almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> But uh, I it, I was so slow and, and awkward. I I said, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, it's uh, it, it was awful. And I really can't stand to see anybody for anybody to see me go that slow. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, I, yeah, right." Uh that's all oh, that. Did you do any USGPs? Did you ever do any? I did not. And no? uh, you know, I always I thought Unadilla would have, was a track that would have suited me um, for sure. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I had some good good uh, results at uh, Carlsbad when, um, you know, time to time, what you know, during the Transcal and Golden State. Uh, I never got to ride Hollister. Uh, that was a GP track, wasn't it? Yeah, they had a GP in 87, Hollister, yep. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was reading um, some Golden State uh, races about you, and one of the 500s races, you battled Gold Brecker for the title. Uh, he got you, but in one of the races that I read, you beat Jeff Leesk, who was factory Honda at the time. You just beat him. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I think we were at Glen Helen at the time. Yeah. Uh, and and I, had a, I had a lot of respect for him. He, uh, I think we had a, a mutual respect. And uh, uh, he, was, he was really good. And he worked so hard. Uh, I think he went over to Europe. And, and uh, did he ever win a world championship? No, he, he won GPs. And he, I think he came really close to winning one. But, yeah, never did. Yeah, from what I understand, it's all about what what kind of team you get if you go to Europe. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you 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 beat him. You beat him in a moto, and uh, he got the overall. But uh, so you race Gold Brecker 
that whole series, and he got you at the end. Gold Brecker did for the title, but um, yeah, it, it yeah. came down to the last moto at uh, at Victorville. Was it uh, Atalanto? Atalanto, yeah, yeah. Uh, about the third turn, I went down and had trouble getting the bike started, and uh, I, I felt like I had him covered, uh, but it did cost uh, Mitch Payton his hair. Yeah, because because <laughs> and because he uh, got a GP ride off of that too. He didn't last long, but he went back to the GPS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Goat and uh, Mitch made a bet that uh, he couldn't beat me in the 500, and of course he did, so he got to shave Mitch's head. So. <laughs> uh, were you using Pro Circuit stuff around this time? I was. Yeah. Uh, I actually needed the Pro Circuit pipe to, to tone that 500 down a little bit. It was just, it was so powerful. Yeah. Um, did you take up golf then after after Millville 88? Was that when you picked it up, or when? Did, how long till you get into golf? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, while we were traveling, like we would go to driving ranges and just hit mm-hmm. balls and stuff. But I didn't know anything about golf. Yep. And, uh, uh, I guess it, originally, as I started playing pool, but it was a lifestyle that I didn't want. You know, some people I didn't want to be around. So, mm-hmm. so then I went to golf. You know, it's more outdoors. It suited me. Uh, fresh air. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then one day, just you know, it, it clicks. It, See how good you can get at this. Yeah. What? And, uh, what? Uh, how good did you get at pool? Like, were you making money doing that? Uh, n- not really. No. Uh, it. I played in some pro tournaments down in Louisville. Okay. Uh, and and I cashed some tickets. You know, big four hundred man fields. Uh, not not big checks. You know, a couple hundred bucks, but right. I mean, I, I got I did get to play with the best players in the world. Uh, Efren Reyes, you know, the Filipino. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know anything about pool, but I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just the best ever, in my opinion. Uh, one Supercross main event for you in a 250 class, Houston 88, uh, 15th. What do you remember from that night? Uh, I remember getting second in the qualifier. And uh, uh, I, I remember at the end of the, the race – I had snot hanging out of my nose. <laughs> I, I was just whipped. It, it's a different kind of fitness. Yeah, yeah, it is. It uh, you know the the sprint fitness. Uh, the best advice I can give somebody to train for supercross is to go run two miles as fast as you can go. Yeah, get that heart rate to like one ninety. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but that was a good learning experience, and uh, I just I just wish I'd had more time to get acclimated to the tracks and the different you know techniques and mm-hmm. uh omara went past me so fast in the whoops and i said how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like oh maybe i'm not cut out for this where's a 500 give me a 500 no i just needed some some tutelage because you know with the right uh, motivation there's nothing i wouldn't try <laughs> yeah 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 good point right uh who are you close friends with on the uh, on the circuit around this time who are you uh obviously you mentioned you know fisher and the r&d stuff but were you were you close buddies with any of these guys uh dubach and i traveled a little bit oh cool uh, yeah and uh yeah i just i I pretty much stayed to myself uh uh you know me and berluti we just kind of did our thing because uh we spent most of our time traveling and when i had a chance i would train or rest or uh, you know those guys that they got to fly every weekend to get home and rest and train. They had a huge advantage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, back in that your day, it was tough, right? Yeah, you you stayed on the road. You tried to find a practice track, 
tried to train and all that stuff. But yeah, otherwise you're eating and you're trying to eat right too. That's part of the deal too. Right. Yeah. It, uh, that, that's, that's a tough gig for me now is trying to eat right. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, man. Um, <laughs> Hey, we uh, we ask a lot of people uh, on our. We've had Jim Hawley in our studio a lot, and a lot of our listeners really like Jim Hawley. Uh, do you have any Jim Hawley stories? Do you, do you have anything? Man, that guy is the smoothest talker I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. No, no woman was safe. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right uh, for our guy Jim Hawley. He's he's a legend. He's he's a gem. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy Watts on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Motorsport.com, Cobalinks, Maxxis Tires, and Renthal Handlebars, of course. I'm sure you used Renthal at some point, Tommy, in 87 or 88. I mean, everybody did back then. So, Absolutely. They were the best. Uh, so thanks to, uh, yeah, thanks to those companies for supporting us and everything else. Um, all right, Tommy. I was going to – I usually ask riders like yourself and guys I talk to favorite bike they ever raced, but I'm just going to go with the 87 500 for you. Well, actually, the the best one that it was actually, uh, I guess, a factory bike, okay. eighty three pre production. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, and that's the year that I broke my femur out at uh, Ponca. That was absolutely the best motorcycle I ever rode. The eighty three one twenty five. Uh, no, it was two fifty. Oh, two fifty. Uh, yeah. okay, yep, yep. It was a single single radiator. Um, and then second would probably be the 85 KX125. And third would be the 81 YZ250. Really, huh? Okay. I thought the 87500 was like a default choice, but uh, yeah. Uh, 85250, that's first year. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's the, the last year of uh, Works Bikes. Wardy won the title on that thing. So it was pretty good, I think. Yeah, the production yeah, well, it was, was good. good. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I I, I, you know, I never really thought about that. That would probably have to be – I'll have to move the Yamaha down. That would have to be my third favorite. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite race? What was your best race you ever had? I mean, again, top fives in nationals is pretty damn impressive, but was there another one that, uh, that you liked? I always uh, – you know, Berluti uh, took me up to Mammoth Mountain, and, uh, you know, we, we thought that my best finish would probably be on the 500, but I think I got sixth. Fifth or six, I don't know, and fifth or sixth in the one twenty five, but I won the two fifty. Uh and and that was a that was a true test of motocross right there. The altitude at Mammoth Mountain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Um Okay, so that that who'd you beat? Who got second? Uh Fisher. Mike oh, Fisher. okay. Oh nice. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a treat for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then probably the the fifth at Red Bud, eighty seven national at Red Bud. Yeah, yeah, that that that's got to be a pretty cool feeling. Um, I read one of the articles. You and Lachine were going at it. I don't know which race it was, but I think he ended up getting you. That said at the end, but it said you know a battle, a, a moto battle, a moto long battle with Ron Lachine for Tommy Watts or whatever, which is awesome, man. I mean, I mean, factory rider, one of the greats of all time, and you know he got you at the end. It looked like, but it seemed like you guys had a great race. Yeah, he, you know, he was probably the most naturally gifted rider that I ever saw. Well, I say that, but I, I think God gives you the determination to develop those skills. But, uh, man, he was just so smooth on a bike. It was uh, uh, it was, it was incredible. Um, that may have been at Millville. Okay. Uh, I had a good finish at Millville. I think I got third, the first moto mm-hmm. uh, in 87. 
Yeah, it's a, I, I think it was probably Melville. I'm, I'm unsure. Uh, no regrets for you on your racing career? I mean, maybe hanging it up a bit early? Like you said, that, that might be the one? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, one of the, the big things that really stuck with me is as many times uh, you know, I had the microphone uh, stuck in my face, and I never thanked God for giving me the the, the chance I had. Mm-hmm. That's a big regret. Uh, uh, and I've kind of come to terms with you know not not getting my my shot really. Yeah. Um, but it, it could have come out much worse. You know, I could be uh, been hurt really bad. Or yeah. It, you know, you're in an era. I talked to a lot of you guys, right? Ex racers uh, in the '80s. You're in the era where there's no support teams. There's just, you know, there's eight factory rides. There's no money. There's so many guys like you that have good results that would be making a lot of money today with those results. But back then, you just quit. You just stopped. You just, that was it. I can't think off the top of my head. There's a few other examples of guys that I've talked to who just hung it up. And I, I damn it, I can't think of, there's a few of them up in my head. Uh, that they just like, yeah, I just, uh, I think Billy Frank was one. Um, he just stopped. Yeah. He just had good results, but there's nothing to, there's no results. There's no help. I should say no money, no help. And you yeah. just, that's it. And so you weren't one of the rare ones. It just was a different time in our sport. It was, it was, uh, it was very competitive back then. Uh, you, you go down the list, man, there was, uh, there was a lot of people that probably deserved a shot that, just didn't get it there you know it wasn't enough rides available yeah you know sponsorship money um but i was just uh like i said i was blessed to be a kentucky boy got to see some other countries and and ride my motorcycle yeah yeah what what uh what stands out for you for other countries races that you did where'd you go what what, what was good uh well i got to do the uh, supercross at uh in italy G- genoa uh I had a bad endo there, so. <laughs> but being on, the, and then Mark Johnson calls me and mm-hmm. asks me if I want to go to South Africa from there. Okay. So, so he books me if, or gets you know gets gets me a flight to South Africa. We go down there and uh, we got Matasevich, uh, Tyson Bolin, uh, Fred Andrews, Brian Manley, and and we take on the South African team, and that uh, that was one of the highlights of my career right there. Uh, did you have uh, back and then? They just put letters on your number plates, I think. I don't think you had numbers, right? Right, right. They put TW on mine. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, just no numbers. <laughs> I, I've seen photos from those races. They just went with initials or whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, and those guys, you know, we were like rock stars in South Africa. We went to the mall. Yeah. And we just we just got mobbed. It's, really? It's not like, you, yeah, U.S. is, <laughs> they don't know who motocross stars are. No, no. Riders or whatever. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. neat. Uh, and that's a yeah, it's a it's a pretty eclectic bunch there. Chicken, Tyson Voland, <laughs> pretty yeah, pretty gnarly. So uh, yeah, I keep hoping uh, Talon's uh, son. I, I keep hoping him, you know, for him to do yeah. some good finishing in here. Yeah, yeah. Max, Max is doing uh, better lately, and Talon's at a lot of the races, and uh, he's a good dude. I don't know Tyson at all, but uh, Talon's a really nice guy for sure. Yeah, he was he was quite a bit younger than us, and he was doing the testing at you know at times with us, and uh, just a really good guy. Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, I agree. Well, Tommy, uh, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing well and still involved in the sport. And uh, 
Long time coming to do this podcast. Congratulations on, on your, your career as a moto guy. Fantastic results, and uh, I'm really, really stoked we could catch up, man. Well, uh, the pleasure's all mine. I'm uh, it's glad to finally get to talk to you, and uh, I hope I hope the people enjoy it. Yeah, sounds good, man. I'll, I'm sure I'll see you at the MXDN. Uh, let's let's try to find each other and uh, and catch up. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Les. Thanks, Tommy. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.